This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Okay, well, joining me for the latest uh, Forever Bristol City podcast pre-season review is uh, Gregor McGregor. Obviously, everybody knows Gregor from uh, Bristol Live, the man on the spot with uh, Bristol City. Uh, good evening, uh, Gregor. Busy time for you, I would imagine, this week in the run-up, and it has been for a few weeks in the run-up to the season, yeah? It is, it is, yeah. Uh, probably the busiest time of the season, to be honest. Plenty of previews like this one um, to do, so, so yeah. Um, yeah, a lot to do at the moment. Yeah, last season, I guess, best forgotten on every uh, on every level, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, it couldn't have been too much worse in that second half of the season. I think it was seven defeats in the last nine games. I think just the three wins over the last 21 matches. So, yeah, pretty disastrous all round. I know John <laughs> Lansdowne said last week himself that, Basically, it was um, the threat of relegation that meant that they got rid of Dean Holden and Nigel Pearson came in. I think we all expected an uplift and it didn't work out that way. And no, it, it, I mean, I think it was telling that comment by, was it Bartolowski, the Millwall goalkeeper, when you get a pro criticising fellow pros that they were on the beach in what was a meaningless fixture for both clubs, really. That was quite telling, I thought, but, uh, but there we go. So the clear out has happened, although saying that, we seem to have a surfeit of players in some areas of the pitch and not in others. We come on to that. But I would say in the eyes of many City fans, the most inspirational signing of uh, the summer was uh, Dave Rennie, not the balding former Bristol City and Leicester midfielder, but the uh, conditioning coach. I mean, you're up there at the uh, HPC every day. Have you noticed a different feel about the place in that aspect of the club? Uh, yes, I have. I'll just correct you though, Dave. We're not up there every day. We we get. I mean, we've been up there the last few weeks covering matches, and we'll be up there for the under 23s games. But yeah, we don't get to go up there every day. Okay. Um, we'll be up there tomorrow because it's the first pre-season press conference of the season. So Nigel Pearson is speaking ahead of the Blackpool game, so we'll be there then. But yeah, I mean that, that's part and parcel of the media today, though that you, you're kind of kept away from the training ground. So so us pesky journalists. Don't, um, don't know particularly know what's going on. So, 
Yeah, I, I mean, no, that doesn't make it. Can't, can't, yeah, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, can't make it that easy if you're you only go when you're invited. Almost then, really, is that right? Yeah, is that that's the long and the short of it? As I said, absolutely. Thing. That's the way. That's the way they control. That's the way they control things these days. And you're obviously kept at arm's length. They don't want you to mingle with the players. They don't want you to build relationships with coaches, players, or anything. You have to go through the press officer. The press officer dictates everything and that but that's not unusual that's every single no. club does it that way it's basically the way the football clubs keep keep um, us lot out really so <laughs> but back to Dave Rennie what you've seen of him yeah he's making a difference one would hope yeah absolutely I mean we reported I think more than anybody last season about the, the injury situation at Bristol City I still don't think it's kind of acknowledged just how bad it was last year. I mean, people were reporting about and, and talking about the, the 20 bad injuries that Liverpool had across the season. Well, I think by our estimation, Bristol City were looking at something like closer to 30 injuries across the season. And in our estimation, and we did look around, it's a little bit difficult to judge um, exactly, but we did look around. We think that possibly Bristol City's injury problems were the worst in the whole of the EFL last season. And, yeah. and there are several different reasons for that. I'm not pointing at any particular person. It was an unusual season. We, we know that it was back-to-back seasons effectively and, and obviously with a lot of fixture congestion. And obviously Bristol City used a lot of young players as well, which is why we found Nigel Pearson talking about players needing to be more robust and fitter. And yeah, hence they brought in Dave Rennie. He was there for that last game, wasn't he? And yeah, we... I've, I've spoken to Dave um, very briefly, and um, yeah, the, basically, yeah, things look a, a lot better. They're almost um, trending at the moment, I think, with just possibly the one long-term injury, um, which is just Antoine Semenya, although he's not too far away. We're expecting him back later this month, and he could be back in action. Yeah, in I September. think he's already so, back on uh, grass. Yeah, I think we've seen him on uh, on some of the videos. So Dave Rennie came in. The exodus uh, happened. Um but saying that, the exodus happened. Simpson and then Baker and Vyman, those re-signing, I know Simpson was a free agent anyway, but those re-signing, did that surprise you, all of them, or not really? They were all quite predictable, or was Baker the surprise package that they got him back? Just just Baker, if I'm honest, because on, on Vyman, uh, we reported quite early that they were trying to re- renegotiate that uh, contract that they had with him. I think that's part and parcel of obviously the pandemic affecting football and, and the club having to cut their cloth accordingly. And yeah, obviously in the case of Danny Simpson, I always thought if they were bringing him in for that few amount of games at the end of the season, what, 10, last 10 games or whatever it was, eight games even, then it was highly unlikely that they were going to just jettison him at the end of the, the season. It, well, it, it appeared they were going to have a very good look at him. So uh, once we knew he was hanging around, then, then yeah, obviously it was just a case of getting that one over. It's just the Nathan Baker one, really, because obviously he was announced as, as going, first of all, and, and, yeah, it did seem like that they wanted to bring in their own centre-backs. And, uh, yeah, we knew that they were looking at a few different guys, but they've obviously gone back to the board with, with Baker. And he, he does look a natural fit for a, a Nigel Pearson player for me. He's, yeah. he's physically, if he stays fit, that is, he's, yeah. he's, he's physically a handful, isn't he? And, Got leadership ability, so no, he, yeah. looked a good, he looked a big and solid unit against uh, Villa at Ashton Gate on Saturday and fit. You know, I mean, he looked he looked up for it. We just got to hope that uh, 
he stays that way, really. Um, in terms of players going out between now and the end of August, I mean, Nigel Pearson said, it's quite refreshing, actually, I'm not going to bring anybody in that isn't any better than what we've got. And I'm sure you wouldn't disagree with me that over the last four years under the Ashton Johnson regime, there were a hell of a lot of players that came in that just didn't go into the side and it was like the, the club's in the bag, yeah? So I think Nigel Pearson's happy with what he's got. I mean, they're being it's being mooted about, I think, is a lad from Rotherham, a centre-forward for about a million quid or maybe one and a half. But I speak to a lot of City fans, as I'm sure you do, and Louis Britton for nothing and with potential and a low wage could solve that big man up front problem. I mean, how do you, he's not signed his contract yet, which people say is down to his dad rather than him. But, uh, you know, do you think, do you think Britain could sort the big man up front that seems to be the likely target? Well, it's, it's a heck of a jump, unfortunately for him. Uh, in terms of, he went out, didn't he, on loan to, I think it was Torquay last, was it Torquay yeah. last season? And yeah, he didn't particularly do too well there. Then I think he was at Stockport as well, didn't pull up any trees either. But this is the problem, he keeps banging them in for the under-23s. I was there at Yate Town last night to see him score his latest goal, uh, a header from across. And yeah, I mean, he came on, he scored, didn't he, on his championship debut as well. So he's got this handy knack of, of scoring around BS3, and that's not going to do him any harm, right? Definitely, I think get, get him in there and give him a chance. I mean, I see a lot of fans say about him that he hasn't got a pace or, and, and he's got limitations to his game and, and that's fairly easy to recognise. Yeah, but I'm one of these people that, that sort of sees people for the positives and, and what they offer yeah. you. And, and without a doubt, he's got a yeah a tremendous <laughs> record. He's prolific for the under-23s last season. He does hold the ball up. He's aggressive. He's another one of these guys, like Baker, who I think Nigel Pearson would take a shine to because he feels like he's the right character to, to fit with, with Pearson in terms of, yeah, being um, thundering into the challenges and, and being aggressive. I remember he had that uh, sort of little, little um, spark up with Pontus um, Janssen, I think, in that final game of the season. Against That's right, yeah, Pontus Janssen, yeah. I like to see yeah. that. Yeah. If so not was, this, yeah, yeah, give him a try, but, but I would hmm. be... Yeah. If, if not this week... Do you think there will be outgoings before the end of August? Because we're always in this situation where you have a few games and then there's a flurry of transfer activity. And should we read anything into Callas not getting any minutes? I mean, Nigel seems to be set on a Baker-Atkinson double left foot centre pairing, but should we read anything into Callas? And I heard from two separate sources, and this is where it gets silly, about Callas is going to Brighton because they've got 50 million quid for Ben White. It does seem strange, and particularly in view of what happened at the end of the season, allegedly at the training ground. And Callas had a good Euro 2000, uh, 2020, didn't he? Absolutely. I, yeah, I definitely think that's one to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks. I, I think that's right up there. Obviously, he was club captain. That looks like it's been taken away from him. Dan Bentley's had the armband the last two games of pre-season. Um, Nigel Pearson's got previous for having goalkeepers as his captain. I think he anointed Casper uh, Schmeichel as captain when he was at Leicester City. So we're fully expecting him to name Dan Bentley this weekend as captain once again, which obviously is a demotion for Callis. 
You said about it there, Dave, about the end of the season. That was very mysterious. I mean, he wasn't in the squad for that final game. There was obviously something that happened uh, behind the scenes. Our, our understanding is that, yeah, something happened on the training ground. I don't think it was too big a deal from when, from when we did some delving into it at the end of the season. And we were told by various sources that it's just one of those things that happens regularly um, behind the scenes at football clubs and, and basically don't make too much of a meal of it. However, it does appear that he's not back in favour now. And as you say, he's had a great Euro 2020 Maybe the club, and given that Nigel Pearson was the one saying the other day that, that to make further sign-ins, um, he's got to make a sale, or there'll have to be a sale, they maybe want to bring the money in, as you say, from selling him. So absolutely, yeah, it would, make, it would make every sense. The other thing is, it seems to be a lot of Premier League transfers about to take place. We're seeing, I mean, it's being heavily reported that Grealish is going to have a £100 million deal tomorrow. Harry Kane could be on the move. Danny Ings has moved today from Southampton. There's going to be this whole trickle down of money, I think, from the top league all the way down through the leagues. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of dog. And be, be, as you say, by the end, the transfer window is open to the end of August. I mean, somebody could even come in with a cheeky bid for Dan Bentley, couldn't he? Yeah, although if you look at what he did against Portsmouth and uh, what he did uh, at the weekend, I had a friend say to me today, well, he's got those two out of the way early season. But, you know, ben, if you look at saleable assets or players that might be attractive to other clubs... And at a lower level, clearly Taylor Moore, who I think, I personally think, you know, he's a lovely guy, but I think his days are numbered here. But Kalas Nash, even Masengo and Dan Bentley, they're the ones that somebody might just try it. And obviously, if we do get decent money for them, or what's decent these days, you know, would it all be ploughed back in or would it be used to uh, mitigate the losses? Um, just for clarification, is has Masengo been injured because he's not featured again he's another one who's not featured at all so far well, I think other than he, half an hour against Celtic an hour against Celtic yeah I think he did have a problem because he was basically pictured by the club in the photography of doing sort of straight line running tests I think in a couple of weeks ago I asked Nigel Pearson after I think it was the Portsmouth game and he said that he was fine he obviously didn't give want to give away too much on that However, he did explain after the game at the weekend against Villa to me that, that basically he's due to come back into full training and, and he should be available for um, selection this coming weekend. Uh, or if not this weekend, then certainly for the Forest Green Rovers game after that. On the Tuesday. And I think whatever happens will be a much uh, a much changed team against Forest Green, regardless of result or what have you. All right, let's look at the lineup. You've given uh, the predicted lineup for this uh um, coming Saturday against uh, Blackpool. Um, it goes without saying that Dan Bentley is going to be in goal. Yeah. Um, we talk about formations and you go four, is it four, four, two, is it four, two, three, one, you know, is it three, five, two, but he seems as though if we look at how it lined up against Villa and not necessarily the personnel, I think you were saying um, it's going to be Zach Viner's probably going to get the nod over uh, Danny Simpson. I think that was what you were saying there. We look at the central defensive partnership. It looks like it's going to be Baker and Atkinson. Unusual to have two left footers in your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, actually, yeah, at the top end of the game, they're crying out for left footed centre backs. Almost every club is looking for them. So yeah, that, that probably made well. They've got a lovely blend of other characteristics apart from their left-footedness, though, in terms of Atkinson's that little bit probably better on the ball. 
Atkinson is a Webster-esque type player, isn't he? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Baker is obviously, yeah, just just so um, 110 miles per hour into those challenges and, and pretty uh, tough to uh, beat in the air. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe he's looking at the what they offer altogether. But yeah, you're right in terms of passing lanes out. I would I would be um, surprised if they if they don't look at that in the future. Yeah, left back is Jay De Silva, and he's one of the few players that one would argue that he hasn't got a great deal of competition for that berth. Now, interestingly, in the piece I did with Chris Honor, he said that Jay De Silva, whose career here has been blighted by injuries, he's one of those players that really needs to step up to the plate this season. Yeah, and he used the term, he said he's in a bit of a comfort zone because personally, I think he lacks the physicality and there's a lot of balls dropped over his head, but we don't see the forward play that was meant to be an attribute of his game. I mean, do you think Jada Silva, he's there unless he really screws up or do you think Cameron Pring is a real challenge to him in that position? Yeah, I, I've got to admit, I I think Jada Silva is maybe not going to be one of these guys who necessarily fits into Nigel Pearson's plans over the, the longer term. I'm not too sure he's what he would look for from, it, from his... Um, from his fullbacks, and yeah, and we certainly haven't seen the the best of Jay, or certainly not for a while. He was out for obviously so long injured last season. To be fair to Jay, I know Nigel Pearson was talking about over the summer, saying he's had a fantastic pre-season and he is really coming back to full fitness. He's had that long-standing tibular problem, and hopefully, yeah, those stress fractures have all been dealt mm. with now. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe they're going to look to balance it up and have maybe one more sort of defensive pullback on the other side in terms of Biner or Simpson, and then you've got J.J. Silva or Campering bursting yeah. forward on the left. That's a nice balance. Yeah. However, uh, yeah, is he, hmm. is he good enough defensively? Is he solid enough? I'm not too sure. So that's it. another one I'd keep an eye on over there. Yeah, no, over that's interesting. Months. That's interesting. Now, if you look at the middle, I've sort of done, I've done a middle, then I've done a creative, and then I've done the front. I mean, in the middle... You know, if you look at holding-type midfielders, some going more forward than others, you've got, realistically, any two from King, James, Nash, Backinson, Williams when he's fit, and Masengo. Now, at the moment, it looks very much, and this is what you predicted, James and King as that holding two as a pivot. Personally, based on the second half, I thought Nash came in and did a good job, yeah? And... I, I personally go for uh, James and Naj, you know, because King's 32. He's not quite as old as Chris Brunt was. But uh, do you think that King-James combo, the Red Leicester, is there in Tablets of Stone? I mean, you know, we've got three substitutes we can use, so we can change it. But do you think that's what will start on Saturday? I think you'll start with King on Saturday just because he's done that the last couple of games. He obviously knows and trusts uh, both James and King, and I think trust is a, a key thing for Pearson. Um, I went down and watched the Exeter game, and uh, and actually, um, well, actually, sorry, I watched the Exeter game, and and Naj was actually out on the right of midfield rather than in the centre, so he couldn't even make it into the middle two on that day. So maybe there's a little hint there on the pecking order. Yeah, I, I just think on Naj again, he's another one who's had a, a good Euros maybe is a natural fit for one of those holding midfielders. 
I could imagine that maybe Nigel Pearson might prefer other players in that position. If he doesn't, then why is he brought in these two central midfielders? Well, that's right. Um, and if Williams is fit, then, you know, you've really got... I mean, Matty James, if he can stay fit, he's almost... I think he'd be a good captain if it wasn't benched in the middle of the field there. But then you've got, you know, if, if Williams is fit, you've got a William-James is the likely combo. And then that's still leaving out... Masengo, Naj and Backinson because I don't really think you can fit them in anywhere else. Now, if we go into the, the number 10 or the, the wide or what have you, I mean, you've got the enigma that's Casey Palmer. I haven't been as excited about a player, and this isn't Palmer, obviously, as I have been on the minutes, and it's only the Brentford game and what I've seen on TV and second half against, um, uh, against Villa, Alex Scott, for me, it, you know, what's the saying? If you're, if you're good enough, you're old enough. He, he's got a Grealish-esque confidence and stature about him. I think he's got to be on. I think he's got to be in there if it's left of a three, you know. So if you have King, James and Scott, yeah, playing in that type of combination, yeah. Do, I mean, do you think he would blood him in the opening fixture? I, I'd be very, very surprised if he did chuck him in there. But then again, I do know that he's so, so highly rated at the club. And yeah, I mean, we've all seen what, what he added at the weekend when he came on in that second half against Villa. And he, he so, showed some sparks, of, um, showed some glimpses of that last season as well, didn't he? So, yeah, yeah, I don't see him starting this coming weekend, but I do hear you. I do think he's a top prospect. And, and yeah, I, I, what I like about him is he, the way he retains the ball, and, yeah, he's just probably a little bit more penetrating than than maybe the likes of Callum O'Dowd. O'Dowd is is good at running with the ball, but maybe his his final ball isn't always um, as good as it can be. Although I have to say, it was very good against Plymouth. Um, but I just would like to see possibly Scott and Palmer try together because I think both of those guys um, are quite creative. A lot of vertical passes. Yeah, yeah, no, cool. Because that could then be a four-two-two. That's eight. Leaves you three to fill the front, and we're moving on to the front now. Because at the moment it's Vyman, Martin, O'Dowda. I'm going to call him an attacker, and Wells. I mean, we haven't really. I mean, O'Dowda for a winger does not have the final ball that Nicholas Eliasson seemed to be able to produce all the time. So, and with Jada Silva not getting down, we haven't really got anybody that can cross the ball in the literal sense of the winger. So if you did play Palmer and Scott, which is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with that. But so let's go. So it's going four, two, two. And that's uh, also, that's it. that leaves two up front then, doesn't it? Yeah. So who's your two up front? I guess it's Vyman and Martin, or do you do Wells and Vyman? What what do you do? I, it's got to be Wells for me. This is the thing. I mean, he, on the radio the other day, speaking of Jeff Twentyman, obviously Nigel Pearson has said that they can't afford a 20-goal striker at the moment. Well, they've got a 20-goal striker for me. Well, 20-goal-a-season um, striker for me, because Naki Wells has shown that he can reach those kind of figures. I'm not too sure he's ever actually hit 20 goals in a championship season. I think he hit 18 in the other season across both City and QPR, but 20, cross, 20 goals, including other competitions as well. So he, he's the kind of guy, though, that he's going to cause any team uh, problems. He was prolific across the summer. I know that was against um, lesser 
international sides for, for Bermuda. I just think they've got to try them at some point through the middle, give them a sustained run. And, yeah. and that probably would unlock the goals for this for this side for this side, especially if it was alongside Chris Martin, because there's a natural combination there, isn't it? The classic big guy, little guy. Yeah. Um, be but if you go down that way. route, then if you go down that route of Martin and Wells, then you haven't got you you're losing the pace of Vyman. And he looks sharp enough, but what is he next birthday? Is he 32 next birthday? He's had a year out with an ACL. He's bound to have lost a yard of pace if he's playing week in week out you're leaving him out um and you're leaving O'Dowda out and then obviously in four weeks time you're going to have Antoine back fit and I won't even talk about the youngsters on the bench I mean well I say the youngsters on the bench rounded about the team because you've got Riley Towler he's a defender but then if you look at Janna Pearson Conway and Bell you know, they're all kids. I mean, they're not going to get a look in, really, I don't think, you know, where Scott is a different league to all of those. But Chris Honor said to me, he said, we've got probably four or five absolute certain starters come what may. But he said, other than that, it's take your pick. Yeah. And... I said on the fans forum the other week, that side that you saw, you saw the Exeter and the Plymouth games, didn't you? Yeah. Plymouth was the, the main team, but I wouldn't have backed that main team to beat the Exeter team when you look at who lined up in there. So I'd like to see it. Yeah. You know, they could have done, done 18 versus or shirts and skins to use an old uh, way of uh, doing it. But, you know, so we've had this clear out, but we've still got a lot of some, some very some very good players, but we haven't got a first 11, have we? Because you can change it so much. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I think some of the aspects of the team are starting to come together. I think we'd probably, and certainly the next few weeks, probably going to say that the back four is is, is starting to look um, like barely settled. Because I thought, I thought Danny Simpson looked really rusty against Villard. Didn't think he pressed his case at all. I thought... Actually, Zach Viner was magnificent in that game. Yeah. I thought he was one of the few guys to, to win duels against the Villa wingers and, and come away with the ball. I remember him sitting El Ghazi down on his backside at one time, coming away with the ball. That was magnificent. Didn't, didn't see that the other side from Jada Silva so much. But but that's your balance there. So I could see those four being, being the back four there. Um, yeah, I think Joe Williams longer term will, will be the guy to feature alongside uh, Matthew yeah. James, I think. Got the leadership skills and and the all round game. It's just the fitness, obviously, that is the thing with him. Yeah, as you say, up front, there's probably that's probably where the there are the biggest questions, and people are still going to put their hands up there. Yeah, as you said, as everybody's saying, where are the goals going to come from? Well, looking at the uh, pundits around the country, and I know you've commented, uh, done another article on that, where. I don't think we're amongst the favourites for the relegation, but almost to a, a, a forecast, we're amongst favourites for the bottom six. Um, I mean, Barnsley finished just off relegation last season. Do you think? Do you think there's a potential there to do a Barnsley? I do. I think. I think momentum, like a lot of people say, is huge. I do think that's right. If they can get the confidence of a few wins, get that belief back. And I, I don't underestimate how tough that's going to be. I think how City start this season could, could be a huge, huge factor in how the season goes and also how Nigel Pearson does. Because 
just think to turn things around from, from last season isn't going to be the easiest thing. I still think there's going to be some mental fragility that needs to be overcome. I think the Ashton Gate um, uh, thing is, is still overhanging the club. They, they haven't won at Ashton Gate under Nigel January. Pearson yet. Yeah, no, they haven't. They haven't. And I don't... So, I don't... And I don't think Nigel's the sort of guy that if they're 2-0 up against Blackpool with five minutes to go, he's going to be bouncing around the ground or anything like that, is he? <laughs> no, absolutely not. So, yeah, they, they've got a lot of work to do to get things moving in the right direction. But if they can do that, and the sooner it is, the better, then then who knows where you can go. As, yeah, as you say, Barnsley... Barnsley didn't have a great start last season. They just no. built them. Well, they changed their manager as well. They changed their manager after seven or eight games, didn't they? Yeah. Exactly, exactly that. I do think when you look at the championship this season, I think there's not been a huge amount of spending. There's not been no. a huge amount of transfers, even the, the teams coming down. So maybe there is an opportunity there. The other thing is, I do look at this Bristol City squad, and I think like a lot of fans, I still see a few holes in there, a few areas where I do think they need to improve. Maybe another good fullback in, maybe another quality striker. If they could do that kind of business, either at the end of this window or in January, then, yeah, yeah maybe. That's a very good point you make there because I, I, I think Zach Viner is a better fullback than he's a central defender because he has those momentary lapses. He ain't no midfielder. And if you said he was, well, however many have we got there? I mean, as you say, the first five games are important. If you look at the match for match in the corresponding fixtures last season and substitute Blackpool for or substitute uh, Coventry with Blackpool, the corresponding fixtures last season, we won four out of five, yeah? I mean, I, I'd love to see that happen this time. Doesn't mean it dictates what's coming for the rest of the season. But after five games, before the first international break, what do you think, in your mind, is an acceptable points total? Is it anything above five is pretty bloody good? Or would you expect more? Or, or, or what? Well, let's have a look at the fixtures a second. Yeah, so, I, well, I can yeah. rattle them off. It's Blackpool at home, um, Middlesbrough away, Reading away, Swansea home, Cardiff away. Yeah, sure. I, I think <laughs> something like 10 points would be good for me. I think 10, if you get 10 points from that lot, would, would be a tremendous start. Maybe just even something like eight or something, a couple of wins, a couple of draws and a loss. Even yeah. seven wouldn't be too far away, obviously. And no, two, two wins, two wins, one draw and a defeat. That would be uh, that would be good. And maybe if they did get 10 points in the first five, maybe Nigel would bounce around the ground. What you don't want to do is stumble to a draw against Blackpool and then get knocked out by uh, the men of the forest. And then, yeah, you know what? You know what OTIB will be like? You know, they'll be in uh, meltdown. Um, Greg, well, a couple of things just to finish. I mean, well before your time, because you're a relatively young man and you weren't even in Bristol then, but uh, Terry Cooper sadly passing away, the outpouring of uh, what a nice guy he is, which is undisputed, you know, really great guy. And there was a petition going around to sign, to name the South Stand the Terry Cooper uh, stand. Has there been any, have you asked anything of the club if they're going to do something special for Terry? Are they having a minute's applause at the weekend? What's the what's the party line on that? I think it's an absolute given that they will do something this weekend. We haven't asked them just yet because um, it's pre-Blackpool press tomorrow. So yeah, you, you can bet we'll be asking about that then and no doubt Nigel Pearson will be giving his view on it. I am absolutely sure that they will be doing 
um, a minute's silence or, or applause, whatever they decide on that one. And yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one on renaming the South Stand. I'd be all, all for that. I think that would be a, a tremendous uh, tribute to, to, him, to him. And um, yeah, I, I mean, from the people that I look up to when doing this job, um, sort of journalists who've been covering this ground for a lot longer than I have, such as uh, Angus, who you had on the other day, yeah. also Richard Latham. Yeah. Um, I know from them, just how highly rated uh, Terry Cooper was. So uh, yeah. One, one to keep an eye on for sure. Well, those are the days, as you might have heard us say, in the 80s when me, Richard Latham and Phil Tottle, we all used to travel on the bloody team coach, you know, and it was uh, a far cry from where you are now. Final question, I only just read it off of your website um, and you you uh, congratulated Ben on tour for uh, getting that out. The word Lansdowne legacy came into uh, his interview from, I think it was John, and it's almost like we've done the training ground, we've got the ground, and this legacy and additional investment, should we read anything into that throwaway comment? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? You've written a, an article this evening. Yes and no. Uh, obviously, I'm taking a little bit of license here, but I, I just wonder if it's a little bit like a, a similar situation to when Steve Lansdowne was on the three peeps in a podcast podcast earlier this year and obviously the the owner then explained that he was looking for outside investment in Bristol City and he was quite clear that he doesn't want to take on the club and um, for the basically for, for that much longer and 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 I think he sort of hinted really that John Lansdowne didn't want to either and that they as a family are looking to the longer term future of um, Bristol City and then John was asked about um, plans for the Asio stand uh, last week and he, he sort of hinted there that there were plans to develop that into a hub for the Robbins Foundation, obviously the community arm of the club, which he's been um, thoroughly involved in. So yeah, just putting all that together, it sounds a little bit like John was hinting that there's maybe a set plan there to finish off um, Ashton Gate and the sports quarter. The, the planning was put in in June for that. And, and, and then, yeah, maybe possibly build this hub for the community center in, in down the far end of the ground put it together with the training ground and you've got everything that would make um, basically the club a tremendous, um, tremendously enticing for anybody who wants to buy a club and, and maybe try and get them into the Premier League because that's where the big money is. And, and it's, a, it's a good investment opportunity for someone who is, who is serious about taking... A somebody who's serious club. and somebody who's sensible as well, because that's the one thing that Steve has been. He's been um, a judicious in some respects, yeah, uh, maybe less so in uh, others, things that he spent on. But uh, no, well, look, it's, it's, it's the hope that kills. This is season 55 for uh, me. Um, Gregor, I just want to end the recording now but so everybody can hear it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for that. It was, what you had to say was interesting and informative. Here we go. That's... It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.